0: So far in this season, back in September, we talked about what we called the dominion. And it was the, about the concept that on the cross, Jesus took back the dominion that Adam and Eve had given to Satan back in the garden. He took it back, and between breakfast and dinner on that first Easter morning, he delivered it back to God. And what we, what we wanted to discover in that whole discussion way back in September was, now, because of that, we are the dominion. It's time to act like it. In October... The topic was, is there not a cause? We were looking at, at the reasons for why we do things, and there were three things I pointed out in that message. One was awe. Why do we do it? Because we're in awe of God, this awesome God who's this entire universe that's so big we can't even comprehend it yet, it fits in the span of his hand. And that awe of God that we have translated into gratitude because it was that God who died for you and me, And which leads to me into the third thing that motivates, and that was fury. Fury at what the enemy's doing to God's people. Fury at what the enemy is doing to the world. We have the awe and the gratitude leading to fury. We talked about that back in October. All part of our, of our theme for, this, for the year. In November, the topic was go the distance. in that, t- that discussion, we talked about how do you go the distance? How do you get from, from the start to the to the finish? And it was, first of all, you press in to Jesus. Second of all, you press on. It means you don't quit. And thirdly, you press toward. You press towards God's best plan for our lives. You've got to go the distance, we talked about in November. But then in December, moved on to the cost of compromise. And that discussion was more along the lines of, you ever get to the point in your life where you look back and say, who was that guy? Or you, look at, or you get to the point in your life where you look in the mirror today and say, who is that guy? How did I become this? How did this happen to me? And we talked about, that doesn't happen in big chunks, does it? It happens one little compromise at a time, building upon each other. So we talked about not just that cost of compromise, but what do you do about it so you can turn that around, which led into January, where we talked about what we call a gap in the gate faith. That's about believing God in the gaps. You ever been in a gap where it was hard? You know, and it's like this, it's, you know, you just this, didn't just finish this cool worship time. It's like dry and hard and struggle and everything else. It's that gap. But things may not be going as good as you'd like it to go. And we talked at that time about what do you do about those gaps in the gate? How do you walk in faith in that? But beyond that, how do you stand in your gate, remember? In your family, in your marriage, in your job, wherever it might be. How do you stand in your gate when someone else has a gap? when someone else in your gate is, is struggling. We, we talk about the, the importance of, as gatekeepers, how to do that. February, the topic was called Ditch the Desert. Part of the reason I, I preached that message or taught that message was I, I just get real frustrated because, you know, guys, we are children of the Most High God and our walk with God should be and can be anything but dry and lifeless, but yet I look around so many times and see in so many instances people who are not fully fully engaged and fully enjoying what God has to offer. It's a very lifeless religion as opposed to the relationship God has to offer you and me. And so we talk about ditching that desert of dryness, because we can do that if we will ditch the dry and lifeless things that the world has to offer. From there, we moved on into March topic was living in the bigger. What we were trying to talk about there was the, the concept that you got to plant seeds. And we're not talking about, as we talked about in the, in the parable of the sower, where the seed is the word of God, although that is a seed you want to plant in your life. We're talking about, in that case, the seeds you and I plant in our everyday lives. When we're at, we're, we, we go and do something for somebody with no thought of recompense. We go and do something for somebody um, that maybe that person is not very nice or they're an enemy or what it might, might be but we're planting the seeds. My wife used to call it samples. In one of our businesses that we had, we um, used to give out samples. It was an etched mug and I would give out samples to corporations and I would keep doing that and keep doing that and I, sometimes I'd go for a month and hand out samples and not get one order. But I knew if I kept planting that seed, eventually I would get the order. It always worked out that way. And we talk about how that works in the spiritual realm that as, as you and I are doing and simply obeying God. We're simply doing what God wants us to do. And we we do it, and sometimes it feels like it's not working. You ever said that or thought that? It's not working. And God says, just keep doing it. Keep planting the seeds, because he promises it will come back. So that was the living of the bigger. How do you do that? You keep planting those seeds, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you if you do that, you do that with a whole heart, there will come a point in your life where you get a peek into God's infinity. Just a peek into the infinity of God. You get a peek into the potential that God has for your life. But you don't get there if you don't plant the seeds. Which led us to April. The topic there was level up. The whole idea behind that one was as gatekeepers, as those of us who stand in our gates for God for his good, for those of us who are freed up to do that, we stand in our gates of our marriages and our in our families and our jobs and our coaches, whatever the case might be, we stand there holding ourselves to a higher standard. Holding ourselves to a higher standard, not because of a list of do's and don'ts that some church figured out that makes them and gives them their name, uh, but about because you want to honor God in the process. And that is what we do to level up from where we are now, which leads us very strongly to our our final message of the year. And it's on the simple, simple the topic that has been the season theme, which is finish, strong. A story I'm going to tell you a brief stories about four, four different guys. First one's Samson. When I think of Samson, I think of sloppiness. Samson was sloppy. You know the story, of Samson. He had a problem with girls. These women always messed him up. Because he, he was sloppy, he would compromise on what he knew God wanted him to do. And that sloppiness got him in trouble. Until God found him. And he learned that even if you've gotten sloppy, you can still finish strong. Gideon in the Old Testament. I, when I think of him, I think of a guy who had kind of settled into life. You know, the Midianites were coming after them, and he was, he was actually... In, trying to thresh wheat in a, in a cave area where there was no wind, which doesn't work very well at all. But he was kind of comfortable with that. He was willing to accept that mediocrity of life. In fact, if you read it closely, he was willing to accept it, and he blamed God for it. He'd settled in. He wasn't coming anywhere near the potential God had for him, because God called him a mighty man of valor. But then, then God found him. And Gideon learned that even if you have settled for less for your entire life, you can still finish strong. It can still get better. There's Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, who had just killed a bunch of prophets of of Baal, and and he had taken on Jezebel and and her husband, and, and he'd done all these great things, and then Jezebel threatens him, and he runs and hides. And he gets to this point where he's by the streak, and God says, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm, I'm failing. I, I just want to die. He, he felt like, regardless of his success in the past, that he was now a failure. And he found out that even if you feel like a failure, you can still finish strong. And then there's the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Now, this guy was a little different because he was at the top of his game. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had the right pedigree. His career was on fire. He was doing great things for his career. But he was like the guy who's been climbing the ladder to success his entire life and one day discovered the ladder was against the wrong wall. And Paul figured out when God found him that even if you have been going the wrong direction, even if you've had all this success and acclaim the world has to offer, but it's been going the wrong direction your entire life, you can still finish strong, and he did. Here's how you can too. That's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to tell you guys right up front that this is being more preaching than teaching, because I'm angling tonight for decisions on every part. In every heart in every man in this room, I'm angling for some kind of a decision that you need to make and I need to make that's going to make a difference. I'm going to walk out of this room a different man than I walked in. I don't care how strong you've finished in the past, I want us to get to the point by the time we're done with this discussion that you are committed and excited and energized to finish stronger. So I'm going to walk us through the steps to do that and we're going to talk about this in some detail tonight. The first thing we have to understand is we have to have a clear picture, if we want to finish strong, of the opposition. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And you all thought it was your wife. We have to understand and get a clear picture of the opposition. Who it's not. Paul was very clear. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look around. If you all could just look around right now, and I mean that seriously. Turn your heads on your necks. (laughs) Look around. What you see see around here is flesh and blood, right? We are flesh and blood. And in this room, we all have different personalities. We all have different temperaments. We're all at different areas and, 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 and places with God. We're all different, what the enemy, the opposition wants to do is play in all of that to create the diversion so that we get after each other. Or if it's at home with our spouse, with our kids, with our boss, with our employees, whatever the case might be, it's really easy, is it not, to think they're the problem? Just as it's easy for them to think that you're the problem? Paul says no. It might be manifested through flesh and blood, but that is not our opposition. Our opposition are the principalities and the powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These are thermonuclear enemies. These are all guys that are bigger than you and me. These are all guys that, 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 that inhabit and, and, and um, navigate a dimension that you and I can't see with our, with our human eyes. That's who our opposition is. So the question I have is, who are we spending our energy fighting? If we want to understand how to finish strong, we've got to answer that question. Who are we going after in the conflict? Is it our wife or is it Satan? Have have, Have you ever been in a situation with your wife when you got into this intense discussion and you stopped and prayed? Okay, the laughing stopped right about then. I mean, does that feel natural? But guys, let me tell you, I dare you. I dare you as a man of God, the husband, the gatekeeper in that family, when you're having those intense discussions, to be the ones to stop. Let's pray. And you see what happens. I dare you to do it. You bring, you bring God into this thing, and you together go after the real enemy that's inspiring that intense discussion. I guarantee you, you're going to see a difference. I've seen that in my own life. When my wife and I have our intense discussions, if we don't stop and pray, it gets pretty ugly for a long time. But when we understand who the real enemy is, who the opposition is, we're better able to kick his spiritual butt, and that's what we're about. But there's a second thing about that. One of the things I'm concerned about, guys, is we sometimes spend so much time talking about our opposition and how oppressed we are that we forget that our opposition has opposition and that's us. It says in Ephesians 6, 11 and 13, it says, put on the whole number of God, it says that you, that you, that I may be able to stand against the wiles of this devil, these these principalities, these powers, these rulers, these spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, we put on that armor of God that you and I are able to stand against the wiles of that devil, that opposition, that opposition, that devil has opposition, and God has made us that opposition. And it's time, guys, as men of God, that we put our boots on his neck because we have the dominion. I'm calling you to that tonight. I'm calling you to understand that we are the opposition, and if we don't stand up and oppose that enemy, no one will in our homes. No one will in our jobs. No one will do it if we don't. Finishing strong means stop being oppressed. Yeah, you're going to get attacked, but stop being identified as I'm the oppressed guy. Start being the opposition, because we don't have to take it anymore. Thanks to what Jesus did. And remember, on that Easter day, that first one, between breakfast and dinner, he delivered that dominion that Satan took back to God for you and me. Hold on to that. We can be the opposition's opposition. To finish strong, you need to decide to the opposition's opposition. Secondly, you need to submit to God's training. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Finishing strong demands discipline. It's not a lackadaisical way of life. What the the opposition wants to lull us into... for the last three years, I've been hammered on this theme. What the opposition wants to lull us into is, this is just life. There's not really a war going on. I'm not really attacking you. It's not really me, it's your wife, it's your kids, it's your boss. You know, he wants to distract us and make us think that there's really not that much at stake. And Paul said, no. No, I, I'm, I'm gonna discipline myself I'm going to bring myself into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I might become disqualified. I've got to exercise discipline. What's that look like? Please hear me on this, guys. This is not rocket science, God has made it simple. What does discipline look like? Read the word, worship, be in prayer, share in fellowship. Get involved in service. Every one of those things are weaponized. This word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is purposely des- um, described as a weapon of warfare. When it comes to worship, what we did tonight and what we're going to do later tonight... It's weaponized. It is something that when, when we understand that Satan cannot inhabit where God is being praised, if you want to get Satan out of your marriage, Satan out of your job, Satan out of all of those things, then start worshiping, start praising because he can't stay where God is. It's all weaponized. It's the prayer. We talk about that, the fellowship, the service. All of those things are the disciplines of those who will finish stronger. So I want you to ask yourself, but don't raise your hands. Are you someone who might take your Bible or read your Bible on a Sunday morning when Gary has his, the verses on the screen, but really not much else? Or do maybe, you, maybe you read it once a week, maybe more? What about prayer? When do you pray? Do you have, I don't, I don't really care about the answers to those questions as much, is like care that you have an answer, that you have thought about this, that you are intentionally figuring out and understanding that I am going to be intentional about prayer. I'm going to be intentional about being in the Word, about being in worship, about fellowship. I'm going to be intentional. And what I mean is this. I'm doing it for the purpose of kicking Satan's butt. It's not all about I'm just going to get smarter about Jesus, guys. We're not here for just that. Yeah, we want to learn what's in this book, right? But our purpose is to do it for the purpose of, of glorifying God, and that means when we glorify God, Satan is not. So if we are going to finish stronger, we got to train for it. can't rely on osmosis. I've got a, yeah, I've got a Bible, huh. it's not quite good enough. Yeah I listen to worship music in between country, there's nothing wrong with country. But guys, do you do it accidentally? or intentionally. And I'm calling you tonight to train. I'm calling you as men of God tonight to be diligent, to exercise the Word of God in your life, to exercise worship in your life, to exercise prayer in your life, and fellowship and service. I'm calling upon you to do that, and I tell you, you do that, you will learn what it means to finish strong. Then thirdly, to finish strong, you do need to decide to be the opposition's opposition. Now, Number two, you need to train and train hard. Number three, you got to get in the race. How many of you were ever in track? Raise your hand. Okay. Do they still call it that? Track? Track and field? Cross country? Anything where you had a race to go to. Um, I had about two weeks of that and I decided I didn't like to run. Um, I was more of the basketball guy. but. But I, I don't care what it is, whether it's track or basketball or football or whatever the sport might be, it's about the time you're six years old, <laughs> it stops being cute that while you're out there in the ball field, you're, you're picking the days instead of chasing the ball. right? It's kind of cute when you're, when you're a little kid, but it's not cute when you're, when you're an older man out there doing that, right? And so if you're an adult... And you're out there playing softball and, and you're kind of looking around and you're throwing your glove up in the air and then, the, and then you're picking the daisies and then you're doing all the things the kids do. Does that seem right? And yet, that's how many of us race in the spiritual warfare. We're not, we need to keep our eye on the goal. We don't want to race with no goal. Paul says in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? And then he says this really important sentence right here. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Be intentional. If there's a word that I want to keep saying over and over again tonight, it's that word intentional. Do it on purpose. Do it on purpose. Run in the race as if you want to win, right? Run in the race as if today's not good enough. Yeah, thank you, God. It was an awesome day. There was a day, and I, I'm very pleased about today. But tomorrow, Lord, I want to do better for you. Tomorrow, I want to do more for you. Tomorrow, I want to matter to the mission more for you. Show me how to do that. I intend to find a way to do that. Do it with intentionality. Run in such a way that you may obtain that prize. That's the purpose of the race, guys. And that's the purpose of church on Sunday mornings. That's the purpose of man to man. That's the purpose of everything that we do here. I know Gary and Zach and, and their teams would, would tell us this. That's why we do it. This is not to entertain, it is to get our eyes focused on the prize and so we can run the race intending to win. And the good news is, is we can. We're we'll going to talk about that in a minute. And that is awesome. Philippians 3.14 says, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. That's the prize. The prize to Paul was to accomplish his purpose for existing. Guys, you've heard me say many times, we are not put here on this earth to just take up space and use up air, right? We're not putting this this on this earth to just be God has designed every one of you, every one of us, specifically to fit into his plan. Every one of us is packaged with that purpose. Every one of us has this designed by God himself. Think about that. The God of the universe that created everything designed you for a purpose. What David talked about before he was born, he was in his mother's room, God Put him together. It's the same for you and me. You are each. We are each wired, weird, unique. Every one of us have been wired that way, and whatever that wiring leads to is our prize. You may not be wired to get up here on the stage and preach, so don't do it. But whatever you are wired for, find it out and do it because that's the prize. That's why you are in the race. Otherwise. When we come, become a Christian and we're saved, why don't we just go to heaven then? Why are we still here unless we have a purpose? And guys, if you're still breathing tonight, and most of you seem to be, that means you've got a purpose. And that purpose is your prize. And that's why you're in the race. You've got to get in the race as if you're going to win the prize. But one of the things that we have to do is in the process of that is when we're in this race, where there's an, or we're in a, a basketball game or a, did you guys see that game? Was it against Toronto? And um, who, holy cow, I'm sorry. That was just, awesome. that was wild. That last second thing, that thing fell. Anyway, I had nothing to do with that, it just hit me. Um, but can you imagine, let's use that for now. Can you imagine, who was it that made that last shot? Okay, can you imagine if he had done it with football? Like, do you play basketball with football? No, no, last time I've tried to dribble footballs. So it, it doesn't go well. Uh, do you play football with a basketball or a golf ball? Do you use golf clubs in swimming? I mean, all those things are silly, right? No one would do that. Um, and if you did, you'd probably get hurt. That you, you have to, when you're in the sport, whether it's running, or, or it's basketball, or it's football, or lacrosse, or anything there, you've got to use the right equipment. And Paul was very clear about, once again, Ephesians chapter 6, about the equipment that we have to use for this race of life, for this, this battle, for this, for, to help us get this prize. And we've talked about this a lot of times. So I'm not going to define all of these. I just see, I want you to see these in the context of the right equipment versus the wrong. The belt of truth in Ephesians chapter 6. God says, if you want to finish strong, tell the truth. But how many times do we fall back on lies? Or maybe little white lies. God says, there's a breastplate of, right- a breastplate of righteousness. And God says, if you want to feel strong, you need to live in the righteousness that Jesus has provided you. And yet, how many times do we find ourselves maybe compromising on that? And not leveling up. God says, if you want to finish strong, you've got to wear the boots of peace. I love that picture because it's almost like they're cleats. And those cleats have the the spikes in, and they're able to stick them in the ground and have their leverage. Well, what if they put on snow skis? I mean, we have the boots of peace versus the snow skis of war and slippery and sloppiness. And yet, if we, 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 we take off the boots of peace that give us that leverage with which to fight those enemies and we wonder why we slip backwards. There's a shield of faith. God says, if you want to finish strong, you got to walk in faith because that's what's going to keep those fiery darts off of you, but yet how many times we find ourselves instead walking in doubt? I mean, the God of all creation, this God who, who in the span of his hand holds all creation all the universe, this God of all creation that loved us so much that he not only just noticed us, like David said, what is man? He not only just noticed us, but then he sent his son Jesus down to the earth to die for you and me. He went to that length for you and me. He did it because he loved us. And we're going to doubt that? Yeah, but look at all the terrible things, Doug, look at that are going on in my life right now. I'm losing my job, or my, my wife doesn't like me, or on and on and on and on it goes. And we can come up with all these things. Once again, who we're focusing on? Which opposition? And God says, I hold this in the span of my hands, and I love you. Trust me. The shield of faith. Don't, don't fall for the doubt. Helm of salvation. You know, helmet of salvation... Part of that is, you know, what goes near versus worldly wisdom. What are you going to rely on at that point? Which equipment are you going to use? And finally, I like this part. I was reading a book that Danny Arthur gave me, and it was talking about these, um, this armor of God. And I often wondered, when you get to prayer in Ephesians 6, it keeps talking about everything else has a, a piece of armor on it. And you get to prayer, it's just that prayer. I've often thought that was kind of odd. He kind of, you know, he was going good. Was, the illustration was working until then. And then in that book I was reading, they point out that the Roman soldiers who Paul was, was, was um, modeling this after also had a javelin. And the javelin was used to throw at distance. And I thought, what a perfect picture of prayer. And yet we're looking at these things, we're thinking about tomorrow at distance. We're thinking about next year, a distance. We're thinking about um, someone who, who, who's 100 miles away, there's the distance. We're thinking about those things, those, those things in our lives that are problems that we can't solve, so there's a distance. And so, and we don't pray? When prayer is a weapon, when prayer is powerful, when God has designed prayer to be such that it will, it will move heaven and earth on our behalf, instead of praying, no, no I can pray. I'm going to do this hand to hand. I'm going to do this on my own. Guys, I'm using these examples to say one thing. I want us to think about, if we want to finish strong, and I know you do, if we want to finish strong, what we have to decide is, are we going to use God's equipment or ours? Or Are we going to decide to do it God's way or make something up? And my encouragement tonight is the winners will have the right equipment, and they will, due to the practice of how to wield and use that equipment, how to, how to use this word of God, how to worship, how to pray, how to use this armor of God, due to practice, they'll be able to use it for effect so they can finish strong. And finally, to finish strong, yes, you need to decide to be the opposition's opposition. You need to train hard. You need to get in the race. And finally, you got to finish the race. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, the first part of that, Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be with, with, able to withstand. I'll stop there for a second. It doesn't mean, you, not cave, not wilt, not give up. The purpose for putting on this armor of God is to withstand. When? When times are good? When everything's going your way? No. To be able to withstand in the evil day. In a group of this size right now, I know that some of you are going through some hard times. It's the evil day for you right now. And I'm just telling you, you can finish strong. You can finish strong. If you're willing to train, if you're willing to do the exercise, if you're willing to use the right equipment, you can't finish strong in spite of the evil day. You can overcome the evil day. Why? Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I guarantee you, your better days are ahead, your best days are ahead. If you take God as His word. The reality of this is, guys, you can't finish if you don't finish. I know, that's profound. But is it not true? You can't finish if you don't finish. I don't care, you go to a sport, my mind was basketball. By the time I was um, probably in seventh grade, sixth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was, I was already this height. So I always played the post. I was the center, if you can believe it or not, and such. And in one year, I went from playing center and basketball to point guard. And that was an interesting transition, to say the least. But the point of this was is, is that the only way I was able to do that was I, I couldn't quit. I love basketball. So I had to learn to do this thing called dribble. Because back in those days, the guy in the center just took the ball, past, took the ball, past, took the ball, past, or then took it to the rim. We didn't do much dribbling. If I had quit, I would have never learned that, would never play basketball again. But I loved the game, so I didn't quit. I learned that if I want to finish, i got to finish. In the same way with, with anything that comes our way that, the, that Satan those, and those enemies and spiritual powers are trying to put in front of you, he just doesn't want you to finish. Think about Jesus. Many times we look at what happened up to and on the cross and we think that Satan was thrilled and threw a party when Jesus died. And I'm telling you, no, that's not what happened. Everything that you are reading in Scripture about what Satan was doing on, while Jesus was heading to and on the cross was to do one thing. Get him to quit. Because he knew if Jesus landed on that cross and he died on that cross, having not compromised, Satan was doomed. And that's what he wants to you and me. He just wants us to quit. And gentlemen, I'm calling you tonight to realize that in any issue you have right now or in the future in your life, to realize that reality and just say, wait a minute. No, I will not quit. I will finish because God says I can and I will finish strong. That is what, gentlemen, we can do. We can withstand in the evil day if we just don't quit. In Ephesians 6:13, the second half of that says, when it's all done, we're still standing. And have we done all? All the stuff we've talked about tonight, have we done all? We've been disciplined. We have put on the right equipment. We have exercised. We have intentionality. We have decided we're not going to quit. We, After having done all, we've actually exercised this and put this in our life. At the end of the day, if the battle's still gone and we've done all we can do, stand and just stand and take it because God is for us. Who's going to be against you? If you do all those things, at the end of the race, at the end of that race, you're going to you'll be standing strong. You'll finish strong. There's the story of the, um, we read the Bible of the, um, the soul work. And you all, I mean, I'm i sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard this story, there's, there's four different, there's the hard ground, the rocky ground, the weedy ground, and the good ground. We've, we've heard the story, and, and, the, and the seeds is, 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 is um, sowed on all those different grounds with different results. I'm not gonna go into the specifics of that. I think it was Gary, one of you guys, recently taught on that, and, um, it was, okay, it was Gary, and, um, and did an awesome job as usual with that. I'm not gonna go into those specifics. I want us to think about something. How many of you have ever been on a farm? Or ever worked a farm. Okay, he, I just want to ask this question because this will help with, with the illustration. Um, it, of those who raised their hand, did any of you ever have to start with ground that was not perfect when you were, were planting? Okay, my father in law, my late father in law, John, was he worked as a farmer in the Imperial Valley. And when they immigrated to that area, it was just desert. It was, and it was hot. And you know, I mean, the, the, Water issues and everything else, and he had to turn all of that land into farmland. It didn't start off as good ground. It started off as rocky ground, as hard ground. It started off weedy. They had, they had to go through and take what was inefficient and not good, and help it, and it became good ground. And when it did, it produced and produced and produced. I bring that story up for this, guys. Everyone in this room, I don't care how far we've come. We came from rocky ground. We came from the hard path. We none of us have started out as good ground. It started out somewhere, and we had, it, God had to, to work with us over the years to bring us to repentance, to bring us to him, to where we set, Now got to the point where we will absorb this word, this seed that he wants to plant in our heart. And it stays, and it grows, and it produces. And I'm going to tell you that this, guys, because I don't care where you are. You may think right now, I'm not worthy, or I've really screwed up, or I've messed up, or I've, I could never do what you're saying, Doug. You may be thinking those things. I'm telling you, yes, you can. You can become good ground. You can become productive ground. You can become stronger, and you can finish that way when your life is over. If only you will put these principles into practice because God said you could. There's an old preacher story that's told. I'll ask the worship team to come back up right now. There's this old preacher story that's told of this five year old that his father took to a concert. And it was, he liked to play piano, but all he knew was chopsticks. Many of you have heard this story. But I'm going to tell it to you for a purpose. And that purpose is this. Is that he gets up on the stage. The, 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 the master is going to come up and he's going to play. But before everything starts, he's up there and he's playing his chopsticks up there. And people start to hear it. They're starting to giggle and that cute and everything else. And the little boy, he's just oblivious to what's going on. He's enjoying playing chopsticks on this really cool piano. And then he feels, suddenly, he just feels... The master come and put his arms around him and tells him keep playing and he starts to play along with him and as they start to play then they start to bring the orchestra in, they bring each section in as they start to play and while this boy is just playing chopsticks the whole time but the master come and plays with him and takes what this little boy is doing and turns it into something awesome I tell you this story for that reason guys I am not calling you to perfection I am not even calling you to mastery I'm not calling you to be some uber spiritual giant. I'm calling you to the desire to finish strong. And that means letting the master put his arms around you and you keep playing. Just keep playing. You have to finish to finish. You can't quit, just keep playing. And all you may be able to do in your marriage, all you may be able to do with your job or with your family is play chopsticks but do it as unto the Lord, and the master will bring in the orchestra. Tonight, guys, there's some, maybe some here, who maybe not have accepted Jesus at all, but you want to finish strong. You're gonna have that opportunity tonight. But there's others here tonight that may understand, and I'm praying that the Spirit has really just placed on your hearts this desire Finish strong, regardless of how good or bad yesterday was, to say, God, I want to finish stronger. What do I do? I'm a firm believer in some kind of a public confession along those lines. So, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to sing one more song. As we're doing that, I've got a few guys who are going to come up here, and they'll be willing to meet with you up here. But if you would like prayer, not yet accepted Jesus, we want to know about that. We want to help you with that decision. If you have and you want to finish stronger, there's errors in your life, you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you can do better for Jesus. I'm going to invite you to take a courageous step in public while we're singing up here and pray with these guys. I guarantee you, your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you just now. We thank you for what you have promised us, Lord, that, that we are more than conquerors, that greater is you who is in us than he is in the world, that we don't have to worry so much about being oppressed, but we can be the opposition to that oppressor, Lord. You have given us that power through your spirit and through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, Lord. We thank you, thank you, thank you for that hope and that future that says no matter what we've done in the past, good or bad, we can finish stronger. right now, Lord, we ask your spirit to fall. We ask your spirit to fall in such a way, Lord, that that tonight, tonight, every man walks out of this place with the conviction and the commitment to do what it takes, Lord, to stand in the gates that you have given them, and the gates that you've designed us all for, for your good and finish strong. pray this in Jesus' name. Let's all be standing in this thing.